after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was dark outside, but I felt invincible. I was 17 years old with a fresh driver's license in my wallet, and we were driving to the church in the middle of the night on Easter Eve. My friend Will and I had come up with a plan to make this particular Easter one that no one would ever forget. We were young, and we were dumb. For as long as I could remember, the church always set up a tomb on the front lawn of the church during Holy Week. It was the size of a small shed, and it stood out like an oppressive eyesore to remind everyone what Easter is really all about. From Good Friday through Holy Saturday, volunteers would stand guard at the tomb wearing Roman centurion costumes and would try to look very stern while also waving at people that drove by. It was the church's attempt to re-examine the greatest moment in the history of the world, but year after year of seeing the same men stand by the same tomb, it lost its impact. On Easter Sunday, someone was always tasked with getting over to the church before anyone else to roll back the stone in front of the tomb. That way, while people were scrambling to find parking spots before the service started, they could remember how the stone was rolled away when the women and first disciples discovered Jesus' resurrection on the first Easter. But for Will and I, it was time to up the stakes. It was time to make Easter worth celebrating. We were tired of the same resurrection stories. We were tired of people entering and leaving much the same way on Easter Sunday. We were tired with the familiarity that had become Easter. So we snuck out in the middle of the night, much to the frustration of our parents, and we drove over to the church. Under the cover of darkness, we rolled back the stone that covered the entrance to the tomb, and we carried it across the church lawn to the main sanctuary entrance. There is a slanted roof above the main doors that everyone can see, and we decided the roof was the perfect place for the stone. Of course, we hadn't planned on how difficult it would be to lift the wood-framed faux stone that was as tall as we were onto the roof, so we had to back my car under the gutters and toss the stone up onto the shingles. It was perfect. I can still remember how quickly we peeled out of the parking lot that night with proud looks on our faces. We were going to recapture the power of Easter for our church. Much like Christmas Eve, I couldn't sleep. I was so excited to see all the faces of the people in worship when they noticed the stone on the roof. I couldn't wait to hear our pastor make a comment about God's cosmic power to roll back stones even onto the roof of our building. 
Mostly, I was excited to see other people excited. So I arrived with my family in our perfectly coordinated outfits with a lot of expectation. I could not hold back a permanent grin on my face the whole way to church, and when we got to the parking lot, I couldn't believe what I saw. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Sure enough, the stone was still on the roof. It was in clear sight for everyone to see, but not a single person noticed it. They were all walking and talking like it was every other Sunday. And even worse, during the time before the service started, I moved around the whole sanctuary with the explicit purpose to eavesdrop on other people's conversations. And not a single person mentioned the miracle on our roof. I remember sitting in my pew, but I don't remember hearing a word from the sermon that year because I know my arms were crossed across my chest and I was frustrated. The joy of my expectation had been replaced with frustration at the lack of reaction from the congregation. When the service ended, my family got in line with everyone else to shake the pastor's hand. We slowly made our way forward until I lazily offered my hand, and the pastor grabbed it, and he pulled me really close. He said, I was praying in the sanctuary this morning, and I heard God speak to me. Oh, really, I said. Oh, yes. And he told me to tell you that whoever put the stone on the roof better have it back down by tomorrow morning. Have a happy Easter. <laughs> so content with Easter that we miss miracles on our roofs, that we are no longer transformed by it? Are we so entitled that we have accepted the gift of eternal life without recognizing how transformative it really is? Does Easter still shock us the way that it should? The women got up early and they made their way to the tomb. They were expecting it to contain Jesus' dead body. They were still grieving over the death of their friend, but they knew what they had to do. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. An angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was frightening and he scared the Roman guards to such a degree they became like dead men. But then the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, but he's been raised. Go and tell his disciples the good news. So the women made haste with great fear and joy to share the gospel. And suddenly Jesus appeared on the road and he said, Greetings. And the women ran to Jesus and knelt to worship at his feet. But he said, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. This is some pretty shocking stuff. Jesus, dead on a cross, placed in a grave, rose three days later. An angel appeared with an earthquake to roll back the stone at the tomb and to proclaim God's love for the resurrection of his son. And at the end, the women respond in fear, joy, and worship. Easter is an earthquake. 
An earthquake that shook the entire world, and more than that, it shook time itself. No more would God's created beings be limited to the confines of earthly life. No more would the grace of God be limited to a particular time and place. No more would death have a sting. The gift of resurrection, the gift of Easter, shapes the foundations of existence. But does it still shake us? We like our Easter to be easy on the senses and on our consciences. Many of us like to dress up in our best clothes and wear the right colors and have an Easter egg. Some of us are like the church of my youth who experienced Easter like any other holiday. Others are like the first disciples who were ready to get back to their lives after their Lord died. But then he showed up on Sunday and he shook the world. On Friday, I came over here to church at about noon to take up our sanctuary cross and drag it around through Stanford. This has been my Holy Week tradition since becoming a pastor, and it always yields interesting results. The first year I carried the cross through Stanford, I was largely ignored. No one spoke to me. No one really acknowledged my presence. Last year was totally the opposite. People honked at me and waved their hands. I even had a few people yell curse words at me and not hallelujah. <laughs> this year, however, I was met with reverence at times and ignorance at others. During the first hour or so, I lost track of how many people rolled down their windows to shout, Amen, or God bless. When I walked up and down Beverly Street, many people placed their hands into the posture of prayer. Some even bowed when they saw the cross, and others made the sign of the cross across their bodies. On Augusta Street, a man ran out of his house and offered to pray for me and give me a glass of water. It was powerful. It was powerful to experience how much the cross was interrupting their lives. I witnessed God's power made manifest in this cross as it met people where they were and reminded them of how far God was willing to go to transform the world. As I was getting ready to turn and start heading back, I saw a young family standing on a corner, and I figured that I should at least keep walking past them. The husband and wife were cautiously sipping on their to-go coffees while their, I guess, eight-year-old son was jumping to avoid cracks in the sidewalk. And as I got closer, they all started to notice this strange man carrying a cross on his shoulder, and they remained silent as I passed by. I was only a few feet away when I heard the young son exclaim, Mom! Mom, did you see that? That guy was carrying a great big X. <laughs> a great big X. <laughs> no, honey, the mother said. They call that a cross. While I continued up the hill, I couldn't help but laugh at the episode I had just experienced. But then my laughter, <coughs> it turned into sorrow. For I realized that young boy had no idea what Christ did for him. 
He had no knowledge of Christ's magnificent sacrifice on the cross to open up the gates of heaven. He had no understanding of the earthquaking good news of Easter. Every year, Easter interrupts our sensibilities and our behaviors. On this day, we feel the earth shake beneath our feet because God has conquered death. We are jostled to and fro by the empty tomb because it radically reshapes the way we live. The resurrection is about power and grace. In it, we see how God took something like a cross, a sign of death to the world, and reshaped it into the means of celebration. On Easter, God transformed the tomb in the same way that he did on Christmas in a virgin's womb. God made a way where there was no way. On Easter, God changed the world. So come. Come and taste the goodness of God in the bread and in the cup. Listen for salvation in our songs and in our prayers. Witness the power of resurrection in the people in the pews next to you. Hear the good news. And it's not just the good news. It's the best news. Hear it and let it shape your lives. He lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.